Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good Welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show. This is Sunday, December 18th, 2016. I'm JB along with Ryan. EJ has the week off, spending some time with his uh, baby boy and the rest of his family as we approach the holiday season. So certainly can't... Uh, um, all of that, and this, of course, is the final show of the uh, um, 2016 calendar year, right? Because, I mean, you know, by golly, I just couldn't get any guests to come on the next two Sundays. I can't figure out why. Yeah, I mean, we we tried. We, we did our best, but, you know, apparently, like, holidays are a thing, and... <laughs> As much as as we love baseball, not everyone seems to love it as much as we do. So it's tough to hear that people aren't willing to drop their Christmas Day plans to to hop on a baseball podcast. But, you know, we've got to give the audience what they want. Apparently, they just don't want baseball. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, at at Christmas and Hanukkah and all those different celebrations, people want books about baseball. They they want DVDs about baseball. They want... uh, you know, video games about baseball, but strangely enough, podcasts about baseball. Eh, I can wait. Uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, d- you know, two thumbs down to the calendar schedulers for putting both those holidays on uh, on uh, Sundays this year. But that's all right. We'll we'll survive. Um, kind of a slow week in Bettsville this week, uh, but uh, coming up in just about uh, ten minutes or so, I'm pretty excited about this. He's got a guy coming on that I've wanted to have on the show for a while. I follow him on on Twitter, and he's one of the great experts in the world of sports injuries. And that's Dr. Seelan Parekh. Uh, he will be joining us. He's from the Fantasy Doctors, as well as being a professor at uh, Duke and uh, part of their Duke Orthopedics, the North Carolina Orthopedic Clinic. Uh, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about, and he's going to talk med injuries. Because, you know, quite honestly, Rye, I feel like you know we're going to have uh, Dr. Parekh with us for you know part of the show today. I feel like this could be like the first of a six-part interview today. And we still might not cover all the things that went wrong injury-wise with the New York Mets in uh, in 2016. Mets injuries just are not two topics that seem to go together. I don't know what you're going to – I mean, I think you're going to be stretching for topics after about 30 seconds. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can find something to talk about. And maybe you can think of one or two guys on the, on the roster that you might be able to ask questions about. But I think this is going to be one of the tougher interviews that you've got for the year. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> you know, it's funny because if you look at the statistics, the Mets are about in the middle of the pack as far as time spent on the disabled list and time spent injured and the amount of salary on the on the on the uh, on the bench during disabled list uh, since. And uh, you know, the reality of it is that um, the um, um, the you know the, the Mets just got hit in all the wrong places. It's kind of like you know. 
you could you could take one off the face if you need to. You could take one off the chest, but yeah, let's just kick the Mets repeatedly in the groin. Why don't we? Uh, that that seemed to be the the pattern for 2016. And you know, as again, you know, you and I, and EJ, and all of us, and our guests, and uh, those you know, us participating in social media, have all said that really, and ama- you know, the amazing testament to this team and to and to Terry and to Sandy. Uh, and to the players and, and their resilience is the fact that this team made it as far as they did getting into that wild card game. Yeah, you know, you know, every every team thinks that, that they lead in the league in in time lost injuries and and you know the quality of the players lost injuries and there have been plenty of seasons where the Mets have have been at the top of that leaderboard. There have been a, a lot of times where the Mets have, have had to overcome a lot. And 2016 was a year where uh, they may not have led the league in total games lost, but when it came down to the games lost at the times that mattered the most, you know, losing a losing a David Wright, losing the the heart and soul of your team for a chunk of the season, losing Yoan Necessitas, who was the actual big bat in the league uh, in in the lineup for a good amount of the season, and and going into the to the end of the season and losing what felt like about sixty percent of the rotation, and Neil Walker, one of your cornerstone infielders, and that's Jubal Cabrera for a couple of weeks. Uh, it was it was definitely significant losses at very very crucial times and, and the team rebounded uh, and there was a lot of hope for health for the the new season but you know this interview uh, in a few minutes is going to kind of bring a lot of things to light and, and help kind of recalibrate uh, the ideas of of how healthy guys might be or, or what guys might have to deal with and, and what guys are going to have to live with, you know, trying to recover and trying to continue as effective major league baseball players. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as we kind of look towards it and uh, kind of you know plan out towards next year, it will be definitely interesting to see, you know, what, what we, what we recover, what we don't recover and, uh, you know, how things continue. I mean, certainly uh, Met fans like to blame a certain somebody, you know, for the injuries. And uh, I, I'm not that guy. I, I'm not that blamer. I, I believe injuries happen. And they, you know, a lot of these were, well, you know, I don't know of any, let's put it this way. I don't know of any um, trainer out there, Rye, that causes thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, that may be the case, and you know, you know, it, it is telling though when a team's slogan going into a season is prevention and recovery. And I don't think that that this particular franchise with this particular leadership group and and that particular trainer are ever going to recover from that. And you know, to be quite honest, I don't know where he ranks in terms of the over, overall rankings of the the head athletic trainers for all of the teams, but. Uh, you know, if there was a way to rank that, if there was a way to tell it, and the Mets were not spending in that area, it would be a, a great disservice to their to their franchise. And that's something that ultimately is the role of the front office to determine. And you know, frankly, none of us who are speaking on this podcast, with the exception of our guest today, and and none of the none of our listeners are experts in this field. Uh, so it's good to get outside of it. It's good to get you know, a sense of what it is that does what we see match what an outsider who understands what's going on sees. So I, I really think that today's interview is gonna gonna be helpful and gonna be something that we're gonna wanna kinda check back on a couple of times over the course of the, the upcoming season and, and see how things shake out.
Yeah, and I think, I mean, one of the things that I would say, a couple of years ago we had uh, Will Carroll, who was then with Baseball Prospectus, on the show. And um, he, he's also obviously somewhat, uh, you know, I shouldn't say somewhat, he is an injury expert. Uh, but uh, the, the, the way he explained it was that Ray Ramirez, the Mets trainer, and the Mets medical staff are highly regarded in the industry. Now, the one thing that I think that supports that more than ever, because let's be honest, New York media is a bit aggressive. It certainly can be a bit aggressive in their storytelling, their narratives, except, you know, and, and you know, don't, don't tell a beat reporter I use the word narrative. They'll all shoot me, but that's okay. Uh, the point is that no Met player, either secretly or outwardly, over the last, oh, 10 or 15 years, I was, the only one I could think of is Pedro Martinez back in 04, um, has outwardly spoken out against either during their tenure or after their tenure, Mets medical. Um, there are no quiet rumblings from the clubhouse of discontent, that of poor treatment. Um, and let's be honest, right? That's a story that gets out. Oh, absolutely. That you know, if if that if, if a player wanted to sell the the medical staff up the river or 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 complain or or say anything, there is there is plenty of opportunity for those stories to be heard and 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 avenues for that story to get out and and frankly it just has not and that you know to me that that definitely leads me to believe that there just isn't a story and that and that's okay uh that tells you that uh you know the, the mess are spending the money they need to spend and uh hopefully uh you know things have turned a corner i certainly remember the year 1987 a very similar season when the Mets actually went so far as to try to pull Tom Seaver out of retirement mothballs when they were injury bit, and uh, that was a very different staff from what's there today. But we're going to go ahead and change gears and bring in our guest, and I'm, I'm super excited about this because, uh, like I said, I started uh, following him a few months ago on, on Twitter and quickly decided that this was a must-follow. Uh, Dr. Celan Parekh is uh, also known as a fantasy doctor, orthopedic surgeon, and foremost expert in sports industries. And it's certainly um, fantasy sports turns to him routinely. And uh, I have definitely uh, utilized his tweets during the fantasy football season. Unfortunately, not helped me as much as I can, but that's because I draft bad. I really draft bad. So that's really the cause. It's certainly not him. Uh, and uh, Dr. Parekh, thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. My pleasure. So, I was, I was mentioning before you came on that, uh, you know, the, with the Mets and their injuries, this could really be the first of a 10-part interview, but we've got you for one show, so let's get into this. Let's start sure. with the big name, David Wright. Uh, first, of course, two years ago, spinal stenosis, then next surgery this year. It seems like, to start off with this, what is daily life like for somebody with those, those two conditions? Because it seems like these are injuries that extend well off the field. Yeah, they actually do. I mean, these are things that have implications and affect your everyday life. So, you know, before he had the surgeries, having the spinal stenosis causes some numbness and weakness, can cause pain in the arms and legs, and and really is debilitating. It's very hard to get out of bed for those patients and athletes who are at the the more serious um, part or stage of spinal stenosis. And then for, for your neck, when you have a herniated disc, uh, like like David Wright had last year, um, that can push on the nerves and cause weakness and pain. And, and for an athlete, that becomes very critical because throwing becomes a problem. But on a day-to-day basis, sometimes if you've got a lot of weakness and pain, 
even putting your shirt on and feeding yourself can become problematic. And I have heard that something along the lines of that, that Wright spends two to three hours daily stretching before a game. Is it? Is that? I mean, is that routine for this to get ready? I mean, what? Um, if any uh, precedence is there for somebody playing through st- spinal stenosis? So you know, spinal stenosis probably underdiagnosed in in MLB, NFL, and, and probably most athletes. When these guys are pounding on their back, twisting and turning at high velocities, and, and unless you have symptoms, we don't go looking for it. And so it's probably underdiagnosed. One of the early ways to treat it is a lot of rehab, and it's rehab, 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 working on flexibility, working on strengthening the core, all of that to help the spinal column sit more correctly and opening up the the openings for the nerves so that the nerves don't get pinched on by whatever's pinching them. And for spinal stenosis, it's typically bone spurs from arthritis that's pinching on those nerves. So, I mean... Obviously, you know, we're looking a little bit through the crystal ball here, but you know, obviously st- he'll still be dealing with the um, spinal stenosis. But let's just look at the neck injury and and the uh, and the surgery there. What what does you know, taking stenosis somewhat out of the picture? What does 2017 sure. look like for a player that's gone through that? Um, you know, in this case, we'll say not David Wright, but how we know how he functions with the spinal stenosis. Um, how does a player function you know, six months after uh, neck surgery? So uh, six months after a fusion surgery is still, a, you know, kind of the moderate timeline. You know, it's, it's really important to understand what a fusion is. So if you think about your spinal column as being blocks of bone, and in between those blocks of bone is a jelly donut, the jelly of that donut can score it out, and that leads to a herniated disc, and, and that jelly can push on the nerve, and that's what he had. If there's a lot of arthritis in that area, if the the herniation is big, you have a fusion. And in the fusion, what you do, the surgeons will go into the back, um, they'll go to that jelly donut, they'll clean it all out, they'll pack it with bone, put plates and screws on there so that the, the blocks can heal together to become one block. And if it's one block, the jelly donut's gone, you get pain relief. But it comes at a cost. And the cost is that you do lose a little bit of rotation of your neck. Depending on the level that the, the, the fusion occurs, you can lose quite a bit the higher up the level is. And less motion gets lost the lower down in the neck that fusion is. Um, so given that it's been six months, I think to have him out there and warming up and, and throwing, and, and that's not a problem in hitting. I don't think it's going to be a problem even when spring training gets started and certainly when the this, this season goes on. He's had enough time to have a solid fusion occur. Now, if he had the surgery towards the end of the season, whole different ballgame. But having it in May gives him ample time to be behind this. What I'm more worried about is that spinal stenosis creeping up and, and becoming now the more problematic area. Well, I- yeah, I think that that's the key for me as well. I mean, spinal stenosis, it, it is not something that is curable. I mean, I think uh, some fans have been like, well, maybe the spinal stenosis will just go away. I mean, it, this is a progressively, and this is a progressive problem, is it not? This is something that will continue to deteriorate. It does. And so um, if you, again, think about what spinal, you know, if you think about the spinal column, it sits in a tube in between those building blocks. 
spinal stenosis is where that tube starts getting narrower and narrower because of bone spurs. So arthritis is really kind of evolving here. Um, sometimes you can have the disc really push on it as well. For many people, it can stabilize and they don't need surgery. But for some, you end up in the operating room where you go in and you try to decompress and open up that, that tube so that the, the spinal column can get, uh, get more breathing room, if you will. So, uh, you know, if he continues to have problems with this spinal stenosis this year, don't be surprised if he ends up in the operating room at some point in 2017. I think it's safe to say, I mean, without, uh, you know, I, I'm, again, grabbing the crystal ball that uh, there there just really isn't a way to be confident one way or the other on David Wright for 2017. I think, you know, if you look at the evolution of his career from 2004 till now 2017, age is catching up with him, wear and tear is catching up with him. And we just have to think of other athletes like Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning to know that, listen, you, your body breaks down, and he unfortunately is at the age and dealing with issues that are progressive, and his body is going to break down. Um, so given that he's had a spinal stenosis issue that affected the 2015 season for him, I do worry that 2017 may see a reemergence of that problem. I mean, you know, knowing that this is a you know, guy signed to a long-term contract, money not regarding, I mean, the, the odds of him making it to the end of his contract without having to retire? Uh, you know, very hard to tell with crystal ball, but, you know, it, it's it, if he stays kind of where he is now um, or even has little spikes of pain throughout and he can have some steroid injections into the back, maybe he can play out his entire career in, in baseball. But if the pain sets in and doesn't, it becomes unrelenting, um, this could end his career. So let's let's move from back injury to back injury here and head over to second base. Neil Walker, back surgery this year. Uh, you and I had talked a little bit on Twitter about this. Uh, you have serious right. concerns here uh, about about Neil Walker. Explain explain to people what the difference is in in their diagnosis and why Neil Walker's is significant. So Neil Walker had a herniated disc. Um, so, again, if you think about that jelly donut, the jelly squirts out, hits the nerve, causes for him. He started having numbness in his fingers, pain in his fingers, and some weakness. And so he had what's called a discectomy done. So you don't have a fusion like Wright had, but you go in and you just clean up the disc. Now, the problem for that is once the, the jelly donut, once that jelly squirts out, you are at slightly higher risk for that re-squirting again and again and again. And, and, you know, I mentioned Manning and Peyton Manning and uh, Tiger Woods. They've had this recurrent issue and eventually, you know, had big surgeries and a fusion. And so um, whenever I hear a, a herniated disc, I get worried. Now, the fact is that this is his first surgery to, to that area, so that's great. But if it becomes a recurrent issue where that disc continues to herniate every few years and becomes a problem, you can have a second or third surgery on it and eventually have a fusion. So, I mean, coming off of it, I mean, obviously it's been a little while since the surgery. I mean, where do you see him as far as recovery? It's, I mean, it sounds like he's saying he's felt better than he has in years, that, uh, that he's ready for spring training. Uh, you know, what, what do you see yeah. a prognosis as far as getting back on the field in 2017? So, again, having had the surgery back in August, um, you've got about, you know, seven, eight months to fully heal when, until you're really kind of in, into the heart of spring training. To think he's going to be okay, 
Um, a lot of guys have these discectomies. Some of them have a recurrence. So unless something happens and he proves otherwise, I'm pretty happy with him and expect a lot of things from him this season. And I anticipate that he'll, he'll finish the season. Now, before we turn to the pitching, which, of course, is the majority of the, the Mets' 2016 issues, uh, at least as far as long-term injuries go, uh, the Mets just signed Joanna Cespedes, as everybody knows, to a four-year deal. Now, certainly, this is a guy who bangs himself up pretty good. He plays hard, and he and he um, he tends to um, you know get a little bit more bruised falling into the stands, or you know going going a bit overboard here and there. And then he likes to golf. Talk a little bit about his nagging injuries and and how bad is this golfing thing for him? So I think more than anything, uh, it, it's bad optics, right? It, it looks bad when you're trying to nurse, like he did last year, tried to nurse. Uh, a quadriceps injury where he strained it and really should be resting and rehabbing, and then you hear that he's playing golf, you know, ten times in a, in a row. It's bad optics. It's it just doesn't look good, and he starts having fans question, well, if he can play golf, how come he's not playing, you know, on the field? And so I think that's what it really is. It's managing the PR issues and managing him so that you say, listen, you're hurt. You gotta be you gotta be done and really focus on your recovery. Don't keep going out there and playing golf. You know you love it. But if you're hurt, don't play golf. If you're not hurt, go out to your heart's content and go out and play golf. I mean, it's fine. I, I spoke a couple of years ago to a uh, minor league pitcher who had said that uh, golf can actually be uh, beneficial. It, it, I mean, is that is that an old wives' tale, or is there actually some training um, to that? Um, you know, there's no data on that. So I've heard that from some of my athletes before as well. And I think really what ends up happening is you start working a different skill set, right? And and so as you work those different skill sets, you work different muscles, potentially you 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 get yourself better for your baseline sport, whether it's football, baseball, whatever it may be. Um, but I don't think in and of itself golf itself is is kind of a, a – uh, allows you to to be better at what you're doing. I mean, I think it's any kind of thing that you do, whether you go out and you golf, whether you go and play some like tennis. I just think it's, if you're doing something other than your regular sport, it builds skill sets, and and that comes back and pays you back in your in your base sport. Turning to the Mets rotation, uh, let's start off with uh, at the top with uh, Matt Harvey. Um, obviously, had the Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, looked to be back in full force in 2015 and then did not look himself at all for most 2016 until he was diagnosed with the thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, first of all, is it, is it me, or does it seem like that's an injury that is um, gaining some commonality around baseball? I feel like I'm hearing it more and more. And for those who don't know, kind of explain what it is. Sure. So let's talk about what it really is. If you feel kind of the space above your collarbone, that is the, the outlet for your thoracic cavity, for where your lungs are and where your heart sits. In that area, you have ribs, um, deep ribs that you can't feel, and you have big blood vessels that are feeding the upper arm and in the hand. Uh, but along with that, you have nerves that are controlling the arm and the hand. Thoracic outlet syndrome is where something in that space is shutting that space down, closing it down, causing uh, a, an athlete or, or a person to have symptoms of coldness. Um, if it's hitting the blood vessels and it's, it's causing the blood vessels to shut down, you can have coldness, you can have weakness, you can have pain from the nerve being pushed on, um, and, and all of that for a pitcher becomes very problematic. 
and he was having all these things in his right hand where he felt it cold at times. He felt that he was numb. He felt he was weak and couldn't grab the ball. And, and I think the biggest thing is we've become in medicine more aware of thoracic outlet syndrome. It probably happens just like spinal stenosis. It probably is around and prevalent much more than we know, but we don't go looking for it until there's symptoms. And now that it's become kind of a, a true entity in medicine, when you hear weakness in a, a, a pitcher or an athlete or even a patient's upper extremity, you have to think thoracic outlet syndrome. You've got to look just to make sure. And that's why you're hearing more of it. We're just, we're just more aware of it. So what, after the surgery, um, it sounds like everybody is saying that he should be basically Matt Harvey come spring training. How realistic is it and how long do you think it takes to ramp up after the amount of inactivity he's had? I think I think he'll be Matt Harvey uh, very quickly. Um, as soon as you take that rib, for him, he had the rib removed, and he also had some of the muscles opened up so that they're not pushing on the nerve as much in the vessel. That's a fairly quick recovery. Um, and reports that I'm hearing is that he feels like his hand is getting warmer. Um, he's feeling the tingling that that he had before last season. That's gone. He feels the strength returning. So I think by the time you know, spring training, it'll be interesting to see. You know, they're, they're going to play around with his, his pitch count and they'll see what pitches he can throw and how well he's throwing. But I think come regular season, the start of the season, I don't think this is going to be an issue. I think this will be behind. Now, we mentioned Tommy John surgery for Matt Harvey. You know, um, previous Tommy John candidate, or I should say recipient in the uh, minor leagues, uh, Jacob DeGrom comes up with uh, elbow problems during the season, which immediately throws, you know, all of us into a, a bit of a panic. Talk a bit about his right. injury and what his recovery looks like. It's certainly not as uh, detailed or as uh, invasive or time-consuming as the Tommy John surgery, but uh, right. it's in that same neighborhood of the elbow. What's what's the difference between Tommy John and what uh, Jacob DeGrom had, and what is recovery like? Yeah, so, I mean, as soon as you hear during last season in, in September, start hearing pain on the inner part of the elbow, and, and the first thing you think about is, oh, boy, is he having an issue with the ligament on the inner part of his elbow that stabilizes the elbow? And if he is, does Tommy John surgery fail or, or something going on? Well, it turned out that he only had uh, – there's a nerve that runs right there. It's above the ligament, and it runs right in the vicinity of, of the, the ligament. And what he was having is, is irritation to that nerve. And so uh, that nerve supplies your pinky and half of, of your ring finger. And, and if it's pushed on in that area from scar tissue or from muscles, you can, again, have numbness, tingling, and weakness. And for a pitcher or anybody who's a throwing athlete, that can become problematic because you cannot grip the ball as hard as you need to. So what he had is called an ulnar nerve transposition. Fancy word meaning... The surgeons went in, took the nerve from behind your elbow, um, and the nerve I'm talking about is also known as a funny bone. So you, you remember hitting kind of the, your elbow and hearing, feeling that tingling down your, your hand? That's the oh, nerve yes. we're talking about. Yeah, so that's the funny bone. So in, in the operating room, the surgeons go in, they'll clean up the nerve, and they move it from behind the elbow to the front of the elbow, which takes a lot of the pressure off the nerve. And it just takes time for that to, to recover. Um, and, again, just like Matt Harvey, I just don't think this is going to be an issue for him. Usually the surgery is pretty successful, um, and I, don't, I just don't think he's going to miss a beat. Um, 
I think that's obviously the things the Mets want to hear because uh, you know. We, the, the, it seemed like the one stability the Mets had was a uh, a forty year two year old guy who's no longer with the team, but certainly didn't look like the typical athlete in any way, shape, or form. But by golly, he pitched innings. Absolutely, and, and so I anticipate he'll do the same thing. He should be that workhorse for them again. So talk about uh, Stephen Matz. I mean, he certainly had a long time coming in to get to the majors. A lot of injuries, uh, Tommy John, everything. And it seems like everything, something seems to snag him every year. What do you see as, as, as you know, obviously he had an injury again this year. I mean, is this somebody right. at this point we, we accurately labeled injury prone, or do you think this is just a series of flukes that he'll eventually get past? Well, you know, he had shoulder soreness last season, and that shut him down. And then he had this elbow uh, where he has a bone spur in the back of the elbow that was problematic that ended up needing an arthroscopy or, or basically where we put uh, two little, two to four little incisions in the back of the elbow and we clean out these bone spurs um, that, that may be affecting your ability to extend your, your hand and your elbow. And so um, problem is, again, this is kind of a wear and tear issue. His elbow is, is breaking down. And so, He's another one where I am a little bit worried on, on his longevity. Maybe you get another one or two seasons out of him, out of him but I don't think he's, you're going to get a, a five seasons out of him or four seasons. I think you're looking at short term with him, and that's it. That's all you get from him. I, you know, I, I wish I could say I'm totally surprised. I kind of was, was dreading that as your answer, but I have to say I sort of expected it to be perfectly honest. One yeah. one Met that didn't really go down to injury, but certainly uh, has has some bone spurs in his elbow is Noah Syndergaard. Talk a little bit about what he's got going on in his elbow, why surgery wasn't required, and what we can expect uh, as far as that uh, those bone spurs go in future. Yeah, so every pitcher, probably every quarterback, if you x-ray their elbow, they probably have a bone spur in the back of the elbow where the forearm bone kind of hits the upper arm bone. And that's just wear and tear. It's arthritis in that area, and you get a bone spur, and it's not always symptomatic. And so you don't worry about it unless it's really symptomatic. His on and off was symptomatic, but it wasn't very large from the reports I've heard. And, and it was small enough that I think the Mets felt that, you know, he continued to, to do fine throughout the season, that they could keep us in control and prevent him from having surgery. Problem is that these bone spurs can grow. And if it grows, it can become more symptomatic. If it breaks, it can become more symptomatic. And in either of those two scenarios, now you're looking at surgery and being out for extended periods of time. The question I have, obviously, you know, the Mets have had a good amount of Tommy John surgery. Pretty much, I think uh, Noah is the only one in the rotation to have uh, not had it. Uh, with his delivery and his style, how long-term, how much of a candidate is he for a future TJ? You know, it's so hard to predict. You know, I have patients who come in and they bring their teenage boys uh, because they think their their sons are the next, you know, uh, uh, the next thing that's going to be the hit for, for MLB and college. And, and we have parents asking for prophylactic, so preventative Tommy John surgery, which is ridiculous. They're asking for us to do PRP injections into their ulnar collateral ligament to prevent Tommy John, the need for Tommy John surgery, which again is ridiculous. 
And, um, and so it becomes very hard to, to know. I mean, just because you've had a track record of some injury to the elbow doesn't mean you're necessarily going to ever need Tommy John surgery, although I will tell you that we are hearing more and more of it in the last five years in MLB. Um, we think it may be due to the way pitchers are pitching, and we don't really understand that very well. Um, but that is more and more evolving to be the thought process. It used to be just the pitch count. Now we think it's not only the pitch count, but it's also pitches. And so we'll just have to see how this goes. But I just don't – it's hard for me to predict that he'll need, you know, Tommy John surgery. You know, it's funny. A couple of years ago, it, uh, it may have even been when Stephen Matz was uh, drafted and pretty much almost immediately needed Tommy John surgery. But I remember joking with somebody about I'm surprised that nobody has thought up preventative Tommy John surgeries. And it's kind of sad to think that, no, there are parents out there who actually have thought that up. Absolutely. I mean, if you think that your your child is the next, uh, you know, the superstar for MLB, you're doing everything you can to try to protect them. Um, but, you know, to go through a major invasive, major recovery surgery for preventative reasons, the only thing I, I tell my, my the parents is, you know, I'm taking your child and I'm making them from no symptoms to potentially symptomatic, and it just doesn't make sense. I want to put you a little bit on the spot here because I hadn't thrown this on, but I, I just kind of want it. I'm not looking for tremendous specifics here. Zach Wheeler, of course, uh, met pitcher recovering from Tommy John surgery, didn't pitch at all in, in 2016. He's now over two years removed from Tommy John surgery. How atypical is that? You know, unfortunately that is not so atypical. I mean, about 40% of pitchers that have Tommy John surgery struggle to get back onto the mound. Um, it is, even though we're hearing more and more of it and we're hearing players come back from it, um, it's still potentially a devastating uh, surgery to your elbow and could potentially end your career. So Zach Wheeler is a perfect example. I mean, two years out, he, he may never get back onto the mound um, for the Mets, and that's a big deal. Um, and so we don't take Tommy John surgery lightly. Again, although the media kind of, you hear more and more of it, it kind of fades in the background. And you think it's not that big of a deal, but it is. Um, it is what I consider the ACL for the elbow, although the ACL is about 30 years ahead of where uh, Tommy John surgery is. So now you're ACL surgery all the time. You don't think it's a big deal. The majority of players can come back after an ACL. We're not quite there yet with Tommy John surgery. Now, I know that one of the things, again, about Tommy John surgery is, um, you know, ever since the, well, Tommy John had the surgery, a lot has changed with it, and um, the uh, recovery period is shorter, and, and, and there, there's a higher success rate, et cetera. What, I mean, for, for, for us lay people, what has kind of changed about um, the surgery and the, the recovery to, to have made it something that's uh, a little bit easier and faster to come back from typically? So a few things. Number one, um, as time has gone on um, and our area in medicine has focused more on this area, we have come up with better surgical techniques to perform the surgery. Secondly, with that interest and research ongoing in ulnar collateral ligament issues of the elbow, we also come up with better instrumentation, better fixation, uh, ways to kind of hold the tissues in place so that they stay where they need to be while it's healing. Uh, that, as that becomes more and more developed, then you can start saying, okay, well, I can start advancing rehab much quicker because back in the day when we really didn't have a lot of these sophisticated implants and techniques, our thought was immobilize, immobilize, immobilize. Hold that elbow until this, we're convinced that the, the, the ligament is healed. 
which left a lot of pitchers stiff and left them with loss of motion. Now the thought is immobilize uh, for a few weeks and then at least start with a with a elbow brace, start motion exercises. Get that elbow moving, get things going so that you don't get the atrophy, you don't get the scar tissue, and they can bounce back faster. And that's kind of been the evolution. So before we let you go, I, I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows how to find you because you know not only um, following you during the baseball season for our own team and other teams, uh, like I said, uh, if I was a better drafter, you really would have come in helpful for fantasy football, and you still were. <laughs> but um, I, I'm not a good drafter. I, I admit that. I, it's, it's one of my shortcomings. Where can people find you? Where can people check you out? Because I know there are several great places to check you out. Yeah, so on Twitter, um, at Selen Perek, MD, and that's S-E-L-E-N-E-P-A-R-E-K-H, um, MD, or at the Fantasy Doctors. That's Fantasy D-R-S. And, and with the word the. Um, you can also find me on the website, which is www.thefantasydoctorsdrs.com. Um, and, and I oftentimes will, will give information and, and responses immediately. So we are very good with doing the Twitter um, and answering specific questions on athletes or your, your fantasy teams. So your listeners can feel free to reach out to us. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I always love is uh, certainly after an injury, uh, relatively quickly, I see a graphic up from you, from you and the, explaining what, the, and it's the visual. The visual always helps. So I really appreciate the way that you guys present what you're doing and what the problem is and uh, kind of an understanding, almost like you're sitting in the doctor's office next to the athlete hearing their diagnosis. <laughs> um, I, I really feel like well, it's, I appreciate you know, it's, it's great, great information. And I just thank you for providing it. No, absolutely. I think the graphics are great, and with the edits, you know, from, from my handwriting on it, it gives um, fans an insight of what's going on. And then when there are bigger injuries, more controversial stuff, we'll get on videos, and uh, we'll video blog, and so you'll get a you know, minute, minute and a half video of, hey, this is what's really going on um, and what to expect from these injuries. So uh, we cover all sports, all the way from NFL, obviously, to baseball, soccer, even cricket, and swimming. So uh, we are global, and we, we cover it all. Well, we certainly appreciate your time. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, obviously a crazy season, but uh, especially with uh, football wrapping up and all of that, I appreciate your time on a Sunday especially. Um, definitely would love to check in with you during the season and uh, see hopefully uh, hopefully you can give us a clean bill of health, but uh, my confidence, uh, I'll be honest, isn't tremendously high. <laughs> Well, I think uh, we're going to see how wait and see how a lot of these athletes do for the Mets, um, and, and uh, I'm always available, so feel free to reach out. Dr. Parekh, I appreciate your time. Great. Helen Parekh, MD, uh, orthopedic surgeon, professor at Duke, um, and generally an expert through the fantasy doctors. Ryan, I tell you, there was a lot of information there. I think I'm still absorbing it. I may have to re-listen to the podcast myself uh, just to catch everything because there was a lot of information thrown at us in the last 25 minutes. Yeah, that was uh, some of it good, some of it not, not bad, bad. Uh, and some of it, um, oh, God, oh, God, the room is on fire. Yeah, so, I think the the, yeah. the one for me was the one I didn't want to hear on Stephen Matt. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, and, you know, the, the, uh, the possibility that Zach Wheeler could uh, – 
you know, never get back on a mound again. I, I'd like to believe that's not true. Uh, but, you know, medical science is, is better than my emotion, as I love both those players and I want to see them back on our team. But uh, that's two, two-fifths of the Mets rotation right there with serious question marks going into 2015 on the medical side. Yeah, two, two-fifths with serious question marks. Another two-fifths with uh, maybe not as serious question marks, but question marks nonetheless. And then one guy who's never really had to worry about an injury who everyone's just waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like Matt should be fine for the time being, but uh, you know, certainly as you look at uh, people like uh, uh, Thomas Zapucki, uh in the Mets farm system, you realize uh, this is not necessarily a good time to be trading off a pitcher. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of those times where you go, boy, maybe the Mets did make a mistake letting Bartolo go. But yeah, you know, the reality of it is, is if if you know. I'm sure you'll be able to get him in a package with Kelly Johnson at the trading deadline, so it's probably okay. Oh, yeah. You know, at least, you know, if Kelly Johnson goes back to Atlanta, you know that you're getting back R.A. Dickey, two-thirds of R.A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon, and Kelly Johnson next year. So, you know, it'll be at the cost of a couple of minor leaguers that uh, that will probably regret giving up somewhere down the line. But short-term gain, long-term loss, you know, it's a trade-off you need if you're trying to be a playoff contender. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could talk him into taking Rafael Montero, you know, but I, I tend to doubt it. But uh, certainly a lot of great information there. I feel like I definitely understand some of those injuries more. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that think he's right, I think I think his fans and uh, certainly obviously uh, uh, parents uh, seem to take uh, Tommy John surgery for granted at this point. But it's still a very serious operation. Yeah, it, you know, it's, compared to where it was, you know, just the fact that it was only created roughly 30 years ago to, to where it is now, you, you take it as something that you hear Tommy John surgery and you're like, okay, the guy will be back in, you know, 16 months. Uh, but that's not always the case. And, you know, you look back at a guy like Jeremy Hefner who had multiple Tommy John surgeries and the the surgery doesn't always take. And then there's a grace period for some guys where, It'll be it'll be fine for a few years, but then you get outside of a four or five year window, and all of a sudden, uh, those fears you know those fears come back and those pains come back, and you worry about having to try to have a second one. And you know the 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 numbers bear out the, that a guy who has a second one has a much much steeper hill to climb than a guy who's going through a first one. Uh, it's a phrase you never want to hear, even if you can walk in knowing that you know, 80% of the time the guy will be back and will be okay somewhere down the road. It's that 20% and how, how difficult that 20% can be to try to come back from that, that is really, really scary. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, uh, you know, again, with Zach Wheeler, I, I was certainly not writing him off yet. Like I said, I'm, I'm on team Wheeler, always have been. Uh, but, uh, you know, you definitely, I think, reasons to be concerned. Uh, it could be completely unfounded. I mean, there's certainly, we're not uh, sitting here on uh, December 18th saying, you know, right off Zach Wheeler's career, he's done. It's more along the lines of, you know, hey, we need to keep an eye on this, uh, and, and hopefully he uh, can beat the odds that uh, may or may not be against him. But, uh, you know, we certainly haven't been sitting here diagnosing these, these guys the past half hour just getting information from a doctor. And so certainly uh, I don't want anybody to think that uh, what we're saying is definitive here. Uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Parekh has not actually physically examined any of the folks here. 
Um, so, you know, I just want to make that clear um, so that people aren't thinking, uh, you know, we're uh, we're dealing with information we don't have because we uh, we definitely uh, don't have all the information. And I, I gather to say neither does Zach Wheeler or Stephen Matz in those particular situations. But uh, I, I'm I'm uh, interested to see that uh, that uh, Dr. Parekh also took the uh, took the uh, position uh if you hurt you and stay off the stay off the green. Yeah, good. I mean it's it's a great recommendation, but actually following through and getting them to, to, to do that is a whole different story. You know, and, and one has to wonder, I mean, and obviously the major league baseball contract is not something you ever get to see. And that's okay. I don't think as a fan that we have any right to that particular information by any means. Uh, but uh, the the question certainly has to be that uh, you know, is there a clause in, in his new contract that uh, maybe gives the Mets a little bit more control since they made a little bit more of an investment? Uh, it's possible. I mean, you, you've heard stories over the years that guys who are avid hunters or guys who are avid, uh, you know, skiers or or snowboarders or or various other sports that have elevated uh, instances of risk. Uh, have had contracts that said that they can't can't do this specific activity in the off season, or or else the the contract becomes void. I I have a feeling that Yoan Cespedes and and the the amount that he loves playing golf would probably pro uh, would probably prevent him from being willing to sign such a contract. So I I would highly doubt that such a provision would exist in a deal that he signed. Uh, with the Mets, with the Mets, or with anyone in general, so uh, I, it's not something I think has happened, but it it's certainly something that is within our realm of possibility. Yeah, I, really t- I tend to agree with you. I I, I think that uh, we, we're definitely uh, dealing with a uh, um, a suspect who loves his golf pretty well, and uh, you know probably was unwilling to give it up, but. Uh, you know, it's more about the optics and the injury. I get it, but uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him stop. But uh, well, I'll tell you, man, we've reached the end of the show and we've reached the end of the year. And uh, you know, it's certainly been uh, quite the year in Metsville. I, I you know, and, uh, like I said, a bit of a roller coaster, lots of injuries, but uh, lots of success in the end. And uh, you know, it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun uh, with you guys uh, taking on it this uh, calendar year, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can squeeze another year out of the happy recap in 2017. Yeah, uh, it it wasn't as necessarily successful of a year for the the team on the field as as we all would have hoped, but it was by no means uh, a failure of a year. It was a successful year. Any year that ends in the postseason, uh, in in any facet, is going has to be viewed as a success, especially in light of all of the injuries, as we've kind of discussed for the last hour. So. Uh, there's a lot to be hopeful for. There's a lot to be thankful for. And there's a lot of reason for optimism for, for 2017. And I look forward to being able to discuss uh, any moves that happen and, and anything that might come up over the next couple of months with you guys as we get through the rest of the off season and head towards the beginning of the new season. Yeah, absolutely. I believe we're something around 56 days from pitchers and catchers reporting, I think is the last count I saw. Uh, Chris Matchkowski from uh, the WFAN team has been tweeting out daily the uh, count. I believe it was 56 this morning. I'm not positive, but if I'm if I'm off, I'm only off by a day or two. 
so we're pretty close. Um, as of now, the plan is to resume our normal broadcast on January 8th, uh, three weeks from today. Should news break in the meantime, uh, you know, schedule permitting based on the time of year, obviously, we'll attempt to throw something together. But I don't know about you, Ryan. I'm really not expecting anything big between now and January 8th, maybe a reliever to a minor league contract or something like that. And, uh, you know, last time I checked, that's, that's not worthy of a special show. Uh, no, no, I, I don't think a depth signing for a guy who's getting an invite to spring training is necessarily worth a show, but you know, we've, we've been surprised before. And as we've said many, many times, Sandy likes to operate very quietly and, and in the shadows. So I, I would not put it past him to give us a reason to have a show at some point in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if the next show that we have is on January 8th. That's not a necessarily a negative thing, but if we have a show before then, uh, certainly it'll be a reason to celebrate. Absolutely. And to all our listeners, again, thank you for making the Happy Recap radio show podcast a part of your weekend, a part of your day. Uh, thank you for all the people that download the episodes. We appreciate each and every one of you listening. We're just a couple of fans doing a show, talking Mets baseball. We just appreciate that, uh, that you choose to listen in on the conversation. Hopefully we brought you some cool guests. We're definitely working on some cool ones for January and February as we head towards spring training. And uh, we, we appreciate each and every one of you. To those who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. To those who celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, to everyone else, have a, a safe and joyous holiday season and an extremely happy new year. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Until next year, let's go Mets. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 